You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, amen. If you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16 or your iPhone, smartphone, anything that's smarter than we are or whatever, or you can always just uh, follow on the screen. This morning, I want to speak on a subject that is really only clearly defined one time in the Bible. Now, we preachers get used to it. Someone will say, well, every time I go to church, they speak on that subject, but that's not really uh, true. But we do get used to it. So today, I'm speaking on a story of hell. There's only one clear passage, and I can reference it in uh, different passages. There's also a passage about the final judgment in Matthew chapter 25, in verses 31 through 46, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with that. And it deals with basically this. As much as you do it unto one of these, my brethren, you do it to me. Now, if you'll look at the beginning of that passage, it says... There's coming a great judgment where God will separate what? The sheep from the goats. Some will go into everlasting life and some will go into everlasting torture. Then he tells this story in the gospel of Luke beginning with verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Now listen to this conversation they were having. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he has comforted here. And you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able. And none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. Did you hear that? For I have five brothers so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Now listen carefully. How did a man in hell know that in order not to go to hell, 
You need to repent. Did you know there's good theology in hell? We'll say more about that in a moment. If you had a family member to die, and they were to go to hell, and Jesus released them from hell, and they came back to Lima Baptist Temple today to warn you, the Bible says there is no more likelihood that they would repent than if they heard Pastor Al Elmore preaching right now. Now listen, I pray as I preach this morning that it will be with compassion, with tenderness, with truthfulness, but with a lot of belief and that it may help somebody here this morning. Someone may say, well, pastor, if you preach a message like that, somebody here, and if they're lost, they'll get saved. Well, yeah, that may be true, but that's not the only reason that I'm preaching it. Because I'm speaking to hundreds of you right here in this room, and many online, and the majority of you are not on your way to hell. You were, but a funny thing happened on your way to hell. You got saved. But here's the problem. You've forgotten where you were headed to the point that you no longer tell others where they're headed. Did you hear that? We're living in a generation today that doesn't like to hear what I'm preaching. So most don't deal with it. And I'm not preaching that just the lost would be saved, but I hope they will. I am preaching that the saved will get burdened over their one or two or three, their family, their friends. 134 people brought names to the altar last week for their one. And some had more than one name. And we've had others to go online and to share names. And I said, please share with your one. Please tell your story. Pray for them. Invite them. And if all possible, share with them. So we just read where the Bible records an account of a rich man and a poor man, and they both die. Not only do they both die, the proverb says that the rich and the poor have this in common. And God is creator of both. The poor man goes to heaven and is embraced by Abraham. The rich man dies and suffers in hell. And he looks across the great divide in heaven and he asks for mercy and for water and for someone to warn his family to avoid this place of torment. Can I ask a question? If Jesus is not going to allow those in hell to come back and warn people of hell, could you help me this morning when answering this question? Who will warn people? In another account, Jesus tells a story of a, feature, of a future time when he separates humanity into two groups, as we call them, the sheep and the goats there in the Bible, you saw. He welcomes one, the sheep, with this phrase, enter into my peace, to the other, the goats, he says, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, don't miss this. That's where you and I were headed until we met Jesus. And the Bible so often speaks of the reality of hell. And one of the most difficult questions, and I'm just 
going to give one for Christians is this. And I bet you heard this. How can a good and loving God send someone to hell? Have you ever heard that? Now, I not only have the normal answer this morning, I have an abnormal answer. First, the normal answer. God does not send anyone to hell. You go to hell of your own will because you choose to reject God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3, 17, Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now the abnormal answer. I did not need God to condemn me to hell. I was taking care of hell, the hell part, on my own. You see, that's why Jesus came to save me, not to condemn me. I was sharing with our deacons at our deacons meeting this past Tuesday evening that in 2001, the poll was taken in America and was asking how many of Americans believed in hell. At that time, it was 71%. Jumped to 2021, 20 years later, and that is now down to 58% who said they believe in hell. You see, a lot of people don't believe in hell, but they live like hell, don't they? They asked these Americans to define what hell is. Listen to the people who oftentimes don't even believe in hell divine, define hell. Here is what most said. Where people who have led bad lives and die without being sorry are eternally punished. Now, if you read the New Testament and all 27 books of that, you would find that Jesus spoke on hell three times to every one time he spoke on heaven. So I think we need to pay attention to this this morning. Here's what I want us to know that the Bible says about hell. Now there, if you've got an outline, you probably think we're going to be here for an hour and a half, but we're not. But I need to cover this. First of all, hell is eternal. It's forever. Some of you, if you keep up with Instagram or Facebook, I'll put this out there. Eternity is too long to be wrong. You agree with that? When someone says, are you saved? Have you been born again? Are you a Christian? And somebody responds and says, I hope so. I think so. I'm counting on it. If there's a way to know so, this is one of the subjects that I want to know so. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. I want to say something to you. There's a lot that I don't know, but I'll tell you what I know. I know that I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Church, hear me when I say I know that I have eternal life. I know that God changed me. I'm not what I ought to be or what I really need to be, and you can ask my wife all about that. She contested that. But I'm not what I used to be. Jesus Christ made a difference in my life. And I'm so glad that I asked him to come into my heart because you need to understand hell is eternal. And I'm preaching this sermon because everybody here is going to spend eternity somewhere. Now here's another statement. Don't miss this. Everyone who has ever lived is still alive. So first, hell is eternal. 
Second, hell is a place of pain. The Bible refers to it being a place of torment. Many people being tormented. Jesus on one occasion said, it's the place where the worm dieth not. Jesus even used words, the gnashing of teeth. The torment of hell will not be limited to the pain of punishment, despite thinking they were going to heaven, but will include the remorse, the shock, and surprise of those who ended up there. Now, don't miss this. If you study about hell, listen to this. The more people in hell knew about the gospel, the more profound their remorse will be. Their pain will be proportional to their level of rejection. Hell is a place of pain. Thirdly, hell is a place of sadness. In the book, Dante's Divine Comedy, he describes the journey of an author who went through hell on his way to heaven. And in the section called Inferno, get it, fire, Inferno, he described the sign above the portals of hell. Abandon hope, all you who enter here. What is so sad about hell is that there's no hope for anyone that will ever go to hell. Some denominations, don't miss this, you won't believe this probably. Some denominations, their conscience can't live with this, so they do what they call baptismal proxy. Baptismal proxy. And what they do is they bring people into a baptismal poo and they baptize you in the name of the person who has already died in hopes that they will come out of hell and will be able to enter into heaven. Can you believe that? Ladies and gentlemen, Dante had it right. That is divine comedy, isn't it? I'm preaching divine truth this morning. There's no joking matter about this. Hell is a sad place. Fourthly, hell is a place of fear. Now, I could talk forever on this. I can give you story after story. But his truths are designed to warn us. Somebody says, I went and heard that preacher, and it scared the hell out of me. Well, good. Because I can tell you stories, again, of people who couldn't sleep at night because they feared hell and they got saved. Listen to me. I would rather be scared out of hell. You understand? Listen. Hell is a place of fear. But hell is also a place of isolation. There's a story of a teenage boy who had a GTO. And man, his car would run so fast. I mean, it would run 120 miles an hour and he would drive it and he would drive it. And some of you are going to be able to identify with this. And one day he was running down the interstate and he said, man, he didn't know who put it up there, but it worked. And here's what it said. Prepare to meet thy God. Any of you ever seen those signs? Yeah, signs. You know, Jesus is the only way, but prepare to meet thy God. He said, before I was a Christian, I never gave a thought whatsoever of the possibility of that when I drew my last breath that I would go to hell. But here's what I thought. Well, Donald's going to hell. Rex is going to hell. Randy's going to hell. Norman's going to hell. All my friends are going to hell. He said, hell wasn't going to be that bad because all my friends were going to be in hell. Well, there's only one thing wrong with that. There's no record in the Bible there being fellowship among the lost in hell. 
On the contrary, this is really important because in hell, the man that is there, he's not looking for who he can fellowship with. If you read the story right there in Luke, he is now praying. He's praying, somebody go tell my five brothers lest they come here. Listen to me this morning. The last thing you want to do is see somebody else in hell. It's a place of isolation. But it's also a place of separation. This morning, I thank God that today is the Lord's day. That, man, we can come and we can worship corporately together. And I thank all of you who serve and who greet. And those of you who work with our children and our students and our adults. And those of you who prepare for small groups and all of the things. Our tech ministry, everything. I thank God that we all can be together this morning. And boy, I love saying good morning to people when they come. But there will never be a good morning greeting in hell. No one will ever say good night. Why? Because they're in hell. No wonder when somebody gets mad at somebody, they tell them to go to hell. Because you can't think of a more horrible place that you'd rather somebody go. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, why don't they say, I wish you'd just go to heaven or go to Krispy Kreme or something like that? Huh? No, go to hell. When the truth is, I don't want to go. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Man, I have given my life to preach the gospel that would intersect every man, every woman, every boy and girl. Why in the heaven? Y'all hear that? Uh Uh-huh. Why in the heaven would anybody in here choose and decide to go to hell? Why? It's a place of total separation. Now I'm going to tell you every good thing I found about hell. Many of you have never heard this. And this is the most important part of this to me. Do you know there's some good things in hell? So let me just tell you about a few things in hell. First of all, good people are in hell. Good people are in hell. Someone says, I don't think he's going to hell. He's a good man. Good people go to hell. I know of some people that are not Christians that live about as good and sometimes better than those who claim they are. So let's just quit this foolishness about there's no such thing as good people. The Bible says now compared to Jesus and the glory of God, there's none good, no, not one. Let me tell you what I found about this rich man. You may say, how in the world can you say he was good? He wouldn't even give the guy the crumbs from his table. Well, let me tell you what he did do. He let him sit at his gate and beg. Let me ask you something. You go home this afternoon. You pull in your driveway and you see a homeless man wrapped in a blanket holding a basket by your mailbox. Would you ask him to leave or would you call the police? I know what you're thinking. Man, I'd go out there and maybe offer him something to eat or bring him in. Well, the rich man let him sit there. So there was some goodness in him. Let me say something. If If you've hung up on the fact that you don't think you're going to hell because you're good, you can go to hell a good man. Hell is full of good men and good women 
of people that were kind and courteous, but they were still in hell because they rejected Jesus and didn't have a relationship with him. Now, there was not just good people in hell. There was good vision in hell. Good vision in hell. The Bible says, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw that man afar off. And Lazarus, by the way, these aren't all good, even though they are good, okay? You may say, what do you mean? Everything that's good is not in essence good. His vision was so good in hell, he could see what he was missing. Has that ever happened in life? If you're not saved this morning, have you ever been able to see hell so clearly that you realize when you get to hell, what you're not going to have that you have even been able to enjoy in this life? This man is in hell, and he's able to see all the way over in the heaven, according to the Bible. And God allowed it to happen, undoubtedly. And he's able to see what he's missing. But next, do you know good prayers are in hell? Good prayers are in hell. If this man had prayed the prayer in this life that he prayed in hell, he wouldn't have gone to hell. He prayed that God would have mercy on him. You saw that there, right? It says, he lifted up and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Somebody says, do you really think there's a literal flame in hell? Yeah, because the Bible just says it. Jesus said there was. So there are good prayers in hell. Here's something else. Good memory in hell. Now, when it comes to memory, aren't there some things you wish you could forget? He said, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received good things. Likewise, Lazarus, evil things. And now he's comforted and you're tormented. What is it about the memory? Listen to this. Here's what you'll have in hell. You'll have consciousness. You'll have memory. And you'll have awareness. What will you remember? This is just a thought. Please give me undivided attention here. Somebody in this service may never be converted. And you may live to be 85 years old. And then you go into hell. And in hell one day, you're able to remember this very sermon that I'm preaching right now. And as a matter of fact, I hope this is not true, that you will be in hell. Let me tell you what else you may be able to remember. Are you like me or is this just a sign of maybe uh, getting old? Some of y'all identify with that. But I can smell a perfume. And in my mind, I can go all the way back to high school where I smelled that. Anybody can identify with stuff. Stuff you just don't forget. Can you hear an old song and it takes you back? How about in hell? In hell, your memories are flooded. Listen, could this be agonizing? Oh, to God, I said I didn't have time then. I lived to be 85 years old, and I could never find time for Jesus. Good memory in hell. Earlier, I said good theology in hell. Oh, good theology. 
He realized that God exists. Did you know there are no atheists in hell that say, I don't believe there is a God? Huh? One day you will. Everyone in hell believes the Bible. They all know Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11, everyone on the earth, everyone in heaven, and everyone under the earth will bow and say that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The glory of God the Father. Here's the sad thing about hell. You don't get away with anything. You don't. You don't get away with anything. Sadly. Do you know the only time some of you really believe in hell is when you know someone deserved it? For example, when I turn on the news and I see where somebody has taken a baby, a little baby, and thrown it against the wall, used to be all that shaking stuff, or just beat it, or burned it, or killed it. What do you think I think? Hmm? What do you think with all this sex trafficking? If that was your daughter, my daughter. Huh? And they were caught up in that. Don't you think those people deserve hell? And that's what we say. Let's be honest. We say that. See, there's, we say there's a special place in hell for people like that. Hell is good for them. Hell makes sense. But it's because you think only people worse than you go there. But no. There's also good priorities in hell. Good priorities in hell. The Bible says, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they come here. They believe in evangelism and hell. But sometimes in the church, it's all we can do to even share with a one. Just one person. But they believe in evangelism and hell. He's asking somebody to go back, send somebody back and go to their house and knock on their door. Say, hey, I'm here from hell. I am here to warn you not to go to hell. People in hell are wishing someone would go to their family and tell them. Listen, let's not let the population of hell be more concerned over who's going to hell than the people in the church are concerned about people going to hell. Did you hear that? By the way, the man in, the, man in hell had five people on his prayer list. How many people on their way to hell have you prayed for in the last five years? Let them, listen, let him testify to them. Testify means to witness. Share your story. We are to be witnessing, witnessing our story of the gospel. The Bible says, lest they come here. The word lest is a four-letter word. It always means warn. And lastly, There are good intentions in hell. You've heard me say a thousand times, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You may ask, what do you mean though? Good intentions are in hell. Well, one can reject Christ through outright rebellion. You see, I don't run into many of those. I've been a Christian for 52 years. And hardly does anyone ever say to me, 
I don't care if I go to hell, get out of here with that gospel. No. Hardly ever do I run into people that don't want to hear at all. I mean, one can deny it and refuse Jesus, and they do that regularly. And they do that through apathy, through indifference, procrastination, and even ignorance. Some may say, oh, I don't know what all you got to do to get saved, but I guess I will one of these days. You ever had anybody say that to you? Hell is full of people that never intended to go there. Do you believe that statement? And here's the other one again. Eternity is too long, people, to be wrong. It's been said that the road to hell, as you said, I said earlier, is paved with good intentions. You say, well, pastor, what does a person have to do? What have you got to do not to go to hell? Well, what you got to do is repent of your sins. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Because your sins will send you to hell because you never dealt with, with them. Maybe sometimes you're sorry for your sins, but look, you've got to ask God to forgive you of your sin. And then you ask Jesus to come in your life as your Lord and your Savior. Man, you've got to do it while you're alive. Nobody is going to get a second chance. Ladies and gentlemen, while you're in your right mind this morning and you have the opportunity, you ought to repent and give your life to Jesus if you never have. You ought to do it lovingly because Jesus made a way for you. Somebody said, well, man, that's just a fire escape. No, if this is a fire escape, you're still going to hell. He's not a fire escape. He's a Savior. He's the Lord God Almighty. He is the creator of the universe. And guys, you need to understand, he made you in the first place, and he died on a cross. That's who he is. And you better respond while the gospel still appeals to you. So God may have just speak and drawed you in here today and you may say, man, I'll come when I want to and close the door and you may never, ever sense again what you're sensing right now. And some of you this morning just need to look at your spouse or your friend, somebody in your family or whatever, your mom and dad, and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus, mom and dad. Some of you as a family, individuals, ought to come this morning to Jesus. Because based on Matthew 25, 41, did you know hell was not prepared for any of us? The Bible says that it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was not prepared for any people. It was prepared for fallen angels and the devil himself. But on the contrary, heaven was prepared for us. And all of us can spend eternity in a place that was made for us. Or we can spend an eternity in a place that was made for the ones that reject Christ. And it all depends on what you do with Jesus. Would you bow your heads this morning, please? My heart has just been so heavy for so many people. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you repent? If you've never been saved, 
If you say, I don't know that if I walked out of this room and died, that I would go to heaven. And I've been waiting. I've been just wanting to sell this once and for all. I want to settle my commitment. I want this morning to repent of my sins, place my faith in the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that is the desire of your heart and you're acknowledging you're a sinner, you're sorry for your sins, you acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for you and your place, and you want to receive his free gift of eternal life. If that's your desire, would you just ask him right now? And make this prayer your prayer. And just pray this silently to yourself. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please come into my life and save me? Cleanse me of my sins. Come live in me. I give you my life and I receive your life. I place my faith and trust in you. God, help me to live the remaining days of my life for Jesus. Now, with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, don't want to embarrass anybody, but so I know how to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer, would you just boldly and courageously and honestly just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Amen. Father, this morning, as you know, the hearts of the people, Lord, I pray that today, for those, Lord, who raised their hands, that, God, you would help them to understand that, God, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. And, Lord, we thank you for those who have done that this morning. Now, God, I pray that you would be with people and give them the boldness to, to come forward, Lord, to be able to share that with one of our pastors. Lord, for others who are still searching for their one, that, God, you would give them the boldness to share. That, God, you would just do some amazing things because people are praying for others to come to know you. But, God, help us not be silent. Lord, help us not to try to be an undercover Christian. Lord, there's plenty of us in here, Lord, that just need more boldness, that need more courage. And, God, if they just need to come today and pray for their one or their family or whatever it may be, that, God, today they would come. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in this service. Lord, if anybody wants to look at this church, maybe to join it, that God, that would be open for them today too also. God, we love you and we thank you for what you are doing and will continue to do. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.